Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And welcome to Energy Speaks Back, powered by B2B Energy. My name is Paul Webb, and I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm also your host. And weekly, I present to you energy experts from around the world. Welcome to episode 104. And this week, we go to Canada, where we meet with an energy expert who's part of a team developing game-changing metering. Our purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver energy savings that impact on our planet. On our journey of knowledge sharing, we would like to thank Esther Energy, who are our certificate partners providing CPDs, Continued Professional Development Certificates, for our listeners. Today's special guest provides game-changing metering technology that enables the next generation of energy management. So without any further ado, I give you Paul Mertis. Good morning and good afternoon, Paul. How are you today? Fantastic. Fantastic. Glad, yeah, glad to be talking to you. Right. And you're calling in from Canada today, yeah? Yeah, I'm in a place called Mississauga. It's a suburb of Toronto, so we're in the eastern time zone. Right. And what sort of day have you woken up to? What's the weather like there? Well, we've had an early uh, an early snowfall, in, uh, and I think it's the first time I've ever put up my Christmas lights this early. But uh, it's wow. all gone away in the last couple of days. Now it's, I don't know, six or seven degrees C and kind of blustery and not so great. <laughs> <laughs> I know that when... Um... We've met through a mutual uh, friend, uh, Brian, and we, Brian Scott, that is, and we've, obviously, I interviewed Brian, I think, this time two years ago, and we was discussing the temperature then about how cold it was, Um, and the UK's trying to be cold. It's very mild at the moment in the UK. It was quite cold when I interviewed him, but it's very mild at the moment. It's really strange things are going on here. Brian is based in Calgary. Their weather is a whole lot different than uh, they really. Can, they can, in particular, I know uh, my associate was out there just you know two weeks ago, and it was about minus eighteen or minus twenty, and uh, they have a thing called Chinook, so it can go from minus minus eighteen to, to plus twelve in about three hours flat, and then they can have a couple of feet of snow. It's uh, you know they're just on the doorstep of the Rocky Mountains, so they, you know, they've got yeah. an entirely different kind of set of circumstances. Yeah. I haven't brought you on here to talk weather, so don't worry about that. <laughs> um, so, Paul, we have met, obviously, through Brian. We are connected on, on on LinkedIn. So I know a little bit about what you're doing in the in the space here, but for the benefit of our audience, can you tell us about your origin story and, and a bit about yourself? Sure. I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, but um, by training, I'm a mechanical engineer uh, way back. Uh, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. I've always been interested in energy. I, I, I specialized in thermal fluids, and I spent the first few years of my career uh, designing, um, you know, HVAC systems and commercial and industrial um, uh, projects, and uh, and got, you know, in the in the eighties into some of the earlier work with uh, solar energy. I've just always been interested, you know, in in that uh, more advanced aspect of it. Uh, you know, back then, actually the Oil was starting to get cheap. OPEC was kind of breaking up. It uh, didn't look like the greatest way to put, you know, food on the table. And so I did what 
what some engineers do. And I went back to school and I got an MBA in finance and I went the business route. But right. uh, but I didn't live the industry. Uh, I, I stayed in engineering uh, consulting uh, in a variety of roles, but basically um, moved up in man on the management side and uh, and got into running uh, engineering consulting businesses in infrastructure, in transportation uh, to a great degree, um, and and also in technology and. Uh, Ended up getting a lot more involved with um, with technology solutions in, in in a lot of business in the United States, but also started doing um, uh, business growth and um, uh, in in Europe and in the Middle East, uh, in the UK, uh, in Eastern Europe, etc. And, um, uh, and and got really into, um, into technology at one point where I became president of a subsidiary of Canadian National, which is a railway company. I was in charge of all of the technology that they developed that brought me back to a focus on North America and just did a lot of turnaround management, management of, uh, of businesses were growing as they said, you know, in, in technology and in transportation, ultimately sort of um, about 20 years ago, got back into the engineering consulting business um, uh, in, a, in a fairly large company uh, in, Can in Canada as a senior vice president and uh, Oversaw seven different areas of business, uh, uh, you know, airports, rail and transit, et cetera, but also the commercial and industrial um, sector of large buildings um, and in the energy sector, and and that kind of brought me back to a point where um, uh, where uh, you know, clean energy and climate change and that, that kind of um, you know that kind of dynamic was starting to emerge again as as a force, uh, which has not let up since. Uh, subsequently, I got lured into my first startup because up until then, I'd been basically an executive in companies with you know hundred millions or billion dollar kind of level, and I did a startup and uh, became the CEO of a, of a, a geothermal energy company, um, and and we grew relatively quickly. Um, we faced some very strong headwinds in two thousand eight when we were raising money and the global financial collapse occurred. Yeah. Managed to uh, work our way through that. Manager, we added that we had a successful exit that made the investors happy, and I uh, developed respect for a few people. One of which is a guy named Tom Rand, who uh, became uh, and is today I think Canada's uh, leading uh, clean tech venture investor. Tom at the time had um, founded uh, a clean tech practice in what is now Canada's largest. Um, technology incubator called Mars, uh, and that's in Toronto, and uh, and subsequently uh, became a venture capital as he backfilled his position in the practice and raised some money to invest in some of the companies uh, that were coming through here so that we could be good Canadians and not take all our deals to the U.S., but actually find fun things here. Tom came back and recruited me, circuit meter, uh, the company that we're going to talk about now that I'm the CEO. He, he invested in circuit meter initially when I was basically free revenue uh, and then um, uh, worked on selling me to augment the management team who are tech geniuses. Um, basically, uh, the founders are, are uh, gurus in uh, data processing, cloud communications, et cetera. Uh, and after saying no a few times, because um, I had enough of the early stage startup uh, sector, um, I, I said, I looked seriously at it and I realized that energy data um, and the way that they are collecting it, the platform that they develop is, is going to be a fundamental element of where we're going in fighting climate change against the net zero. And so I signed on. 
And since then, uh, we've made um, slow progress. It's not easy to raise money for early stage companies. Um, venture capital is kind of wanting to be successful before they'll gamble and put their money in. It's kind of impossible really to, um, to take a company like this that relies on some wholesale changes in the industry to really get a lot of, in, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of growth and a lot of revenue without a, sort of a major league marketing sales team, the kind that I used to run. So um, the middle ground has been to raise smaller amounts of money through angel investors, uh, which we've done, and, and then gradually get experience in the, in the marketplace, start to get up a small group of users, develop credibility, both on the technology and on the economic side. Uh, and that's where we were. We were just starting to take off before COVID. Um, uh, and uh, COVID kind of put everything on hold, and we sort of did some treading of water for two years. We had a few clients that uh, had already, you know, really got into this in a significant way. So they carried on installing systems, uh, and we kind of had to wait it out. Now that we're through COVID, um, the whole world uh, is is basically evolving the way we had forecast. We've got a number of um, experts in commercial, industrial, and technology fields that say that. Our technology is head and shoulders above anything else in the marketplace. Uh, and that measuring energy usage and getting that up into the cloud and, and, and making it available for a variety of analytics, it's kind of one of the four legs of the clean tech table, if you will, and, and the market for our product and or our technologies. Forecast to go from less than $4 billion today to 20 to $25 billion in the next eight years alone and then, and then double again. Yeah. So it's it's very exciting. We have a leading technology in, in a huge growth area, and it's also very meaningful in that uh, uh, you know the planet needs to fight climate change. We need to accomplish some of these goals and our uh, and these net zero targets, and and we're going to be a part of it. And we're going to you know it'll be an, it's an impact investment. So for you personally, you started off in the mechanical world, and you've gone into the electrical electronics world, which for me seems. Uh, when you was talking, I thought, oh, this is interesting. I wonder where this is going to go. I'm electrical electronics, um, and I would have gone into that world quite easily. How have you found that transition regarding sort of your background? Well, there's three things that, uh, that, that I really sort of need uh, to do this job, and, that's, and I have two of them, because this is really a business thing. And mm-hmm. you know, for 30 years, I've been a business executive. And I've been a business growth executive and I've been in the technology, introducing technology and change. So that I've got. And then the mechanical electrical thing, yeah, it's kind of funny. I have friends from engineering school that are electrical engineers and they think it's kind of ironic that I'm running. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, but in the end, you have to know how this stuff works. And basically mm. all of the equipment that, that the electricity that the power supplies is mechanical stuff. It's chillers, it's pumps, it's fans, yeah. It's, yeah. it's equipment. It's all stuff that is in my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we just sort of took it for granted that the electrical guys will get us some power and they'll operate. I know how it all operates. I'm just less formally trained in how our actual equipment uh, operates. Right. But when you're running an organization, you don't need to be an expert in everything. You just basically need to, to yeah. absorb you know, what things do. And rely on the real experts to manage yeah. more detailed stuff. So it'd be interesting to see that you know you could probably make those systems make run more efficiently with from a mechanical point of view, which will then show us electrically 
So that's that's a little bit of a an in there, isn't there? Regarding what, well, oh, absolutely, what, yeah. what's and in also, the back of your mind, obviously. Yeah, but but also it's it's sort of like it's all about um, in a way it's also very much about industrial engineering and back to my background in uh, in industrial systems. It's how do you control quality? And it's it's parallel is really even into the automotive and manufacturing industry. How did they, you know, back in the late '80s and early '90s, start to um, you learn a lot of jet, um, lessons that really the Japanese um, automotive industry really started to perfect in total quality management, which is to measure everything, apply standards, have technology that makes the measurement automatic, and anything that deviates in real time, you bring it back. Annual feedback loop, and uh, they call you know things like Six Sigma, et cetera. But it's all about uh, all about controls and industrial engineering, and in, in, in the end, and we can use all of the electrical data, particularly amp draw or the power use, to identify when things are uh, uh, when things start to deteriorate, when they need maintenance, when they need to be replaced, et cetera. But also, just you can use it to what we call forensic energy management or, or continuous energy audit, where you can go in and do a virtual energy audit and identify basically everything in a factory or building that is running uh, inefficiently or improperly or unnecessarily. Uh, and, and you can squeeze all of the wasted energy right out of the system once you start measuring it. You mentioned climate change right at the beginning of your sort of discussion here about being one of your drivers. Would you say that's a major driver into what you're doing today? Big time. Yeah, big time. I mean, uh, the, the major things that climate change are doing are, are driving a conversion from uh, carbon-based fuels to electricity, uh, you know, mass electrification. Uh, and you know, that has a cost, but as we, so which means you have to do things as efficiently as possible. So you know, we don't need to, um, if we don't need to uh, install so many uh, megawatts of, of windmills or solar and we can do it by half because we're not using as much because we're operating yeah. more uh, efficiently then you know that makes everything more affordable but you know at an operating company level uh, if you want to upgrade your facility etc and you're reducing your operating costs because you, you're you're flushing waste out of the system that makes you more competitive and more easily able to afford things and, and then lastly it's how it all comes together if we move everything towards an electrical um, a grid where um, the main sources or many of the main sources are variable. That's the wind and solar. There's two other elements technologically that we're going to need to make the whole thing work. And one is active storage um, so that we can pull uh, energy from storage when, when we need it. And also smart grid technology to govern the two-way flow of electricity. So smart grid storage and green generation are three legs of the table. The fourth leg of the table is energy efficiency, and at the basis of all energy efficiency is is ongoing, detailed, continuous energy measurement. Yeah. And for me, my favorite saying here is you cannot manage what you don't measure. So we've got Oh, I've got that in a couple of my slides. Oh, really? (laughs) Of course. But so, you know, we've we've got to start measuring, and it's for me, it's got to start off quite high level. And then we've got to go more granular, more granular. The deeper we go into these areas, we've got to take it into a low level. And I'm presuming, I haven't seen your systems as yet, but I'm presuming your approach is going to be to take it into, you mentioned the word chiller. So, you know, we would look at monitoring the chiller on its own on like a submetering type 
sniff it. That's exactly what the vision is. And I'll just go back here to the vision of what our founders um, put down on a blank piece of paper and then achieved technologically. Um, they were looking, uh, it was about 12 years ago now, uh, they were looking at the state of electrical submetering and, and, and the submeters then, and even today, were really based on, on 80s technology, PLCs mm. and things, and three circuits, uh, you know, one machine, it's a piece of hardware, you know, the data doesn't go anywhere, there's maybe a readout, you write it down a number, or even before that, there was maybe even a dial or a gauge, you know, it's, it's that yeah. kind of thing, or a, a little digital counter that goes around, very, very old, quite frankly, and they said, well, this is expensive, and it's, it's, it doesn't do what we need. What we really need to do is take a building or, or a factory. We need to measure the electrical um, consumption continuously for every individual machine. Like right now, you get a bill from your utility once a month, and you know how much money you have to send them, and you get a certain um, a total of kilowatt hours and, and, and a, probably a peak um, kilowatt demand, because those are the two things that generally make up a bill. The vision for our company was, let's measure everything whether it's you know a product piece of production machinery or it's something in the mechanical room or it's an escalator or it's lights or it's exhaust fans in the kitchen. Let's measure everything. And let's measure continuously. Let's get the data into software where we can make some sense out of it and do some things with that data. Mm. And let's get the price for this whole thing down by um, a factor of 200, 300, 400. I mean, right back then, uh, the cost per circuit for submetering was over $2,000. They adopted a target of we need to get it to 30 to $50 because no one would have ever thought of doing what we've done right now. I'll give you an example. Uh, downtown Toronto, there was the Fairmont Hotel. And uh, uh, we're in there now, and the owners were, were, were smart enough a few years back. To, to recognize that it was a prime candidate. It's almost 100 years old. It used to be the tallest building in the, in the British Empire, you know, going way, way, way back. Right. And so it had a wide variety of systems in it uh, of different ages and vintages and everything else. And they'd had a, um, uh, an energy audit that said it was, it, it was not performing well. So they knew there was lots of opportunities to save energy, but they didn't know where to start. So they said, let's, let's do this. Uh, and, and right now, we have 27 of our meters in there. Each meter can meter um, 16 three-phase circuits. So we're measuring almost 660 different circuits or over 200 pieces of equipment. We decided for practical purposes not to bother spending money to measure the suites because, you know, what people do there, you can't do anything about it anyways. Yeah. Uh, basically, all the central systems and services were, were metered in. And... Without getting into the into the total numbers, I'll tell you that um, we conceived after talking to the management that they could reduce the total energy consumption in that hotel feasibly by thirty five or forty percent with those words. And when I I put that into our little magic matrix and, uh, and said, you know, this is how much it's going to cost you to put the hardware in, to install it, to put the software in. We have a few third party meters that we can accept that measure the BTUs coming out of the chillers, for instance. Right. Plus some engineering analysis, it, it worked out that they could feasibly within four years have a return on investment of seventeen hundred percent. 
And, you know, that's, that's a staggering amount. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, a yeah. staggering degree. You know? and, and yet, here we are a couple of years later, and they further discovered, after we verified, after women did that and came back and discovered all these things and measured them, which is even better, that um, it was feasible for them to go completely net zero uh, and financially attractive, actually. And so that's what's happening right now. They're in the process mm -hmm. of doing a complete, what they call a deep retrofit. Uh, they're going to uh, have uh, have heat pumps and they'll be utilizing some deep lake water cooling and even Lake Ontario as a, as a heat source and sink. But, you know, a hundred year old, grand old lady, a beautiful hotel can be a state of the art net zero building. Yeah. And it can be financially attractive. So, you know, that's where we're going. And, and, and Circuit Meter is in there in a big way. And it's our data that sort of made it possible. But at the other end of the spectrum, there's a, a smaller uh, office building uh, at the University of Waterloo called Evolve One. And it was Canada's first net zero um, um, building, um, uh, the CAGBC, the Canadian Green Building Council um, designated uh, net zero building. And we're in there with four of our meters and it cost, it's a $25 million building, it costs like $25,000 to put our meters in. But the idea with that installation is that that's the way the future will be. And this will be standard to measure everything because for them, it's not a matter of finding the low hanging fruit and fixing the areas that you're, that you're um, wasting energy and addressing that, or maybe uh, upgrading your equipment. Now that you've got a business case, it's about verifying that the building's very identity is legitimate. They are selling this to the university and to their tenants and, and to future tenants that we've involved to involve three of the net zero building. They need to be able to prove and verify mm. that really is net zero. And, and so um, the, the costs, which is peanuts because we got the, uh, the cost down for this kind of thing, wasn't even an issue. They said, well, that's nothing. It's, it's, a, you know, it's, a rounding, uh, you know, it's a rounding error of an afterthought, but it's critical to the identity of the building. I think that's sort of the two opposite ends of the spectrum. There's, entire swath, basically all of our built infrastructure, basically every building you see, whether it's an apartment building, a condominium, a, an office building, a municipal building, or or an industrial facility, all needs this level of metering to identify where it's wasting energy and also to provide the financial justification for, for the upgrades. Yeah. So that's the world that we're heading towards. And that's why I, you know, I point back to um, you know a, a market estimate, a market forecast I made earlier on that says that you know, this um, you know this industry is forecast to go from three billion to twenty plus billion just in eight years and then double again. This will be you know a fundamental part of the whole green equation. And presumably you're you're going to use your system to drive down the energy, and then you're going to use your systems to alarm it and impact and provide a, a message back to someone to say. We was using X yesterday. We've now used X now, which is above our tolerance. Does it exactly. pro provide alarms and signals back to the operator, whoever needs to understand that? That's exactly right. I mean, it could be that um, a machine of equipment has had some kind of minor um, uh, deterioration. Maybe a part is broken, but still operating. You know, there you would have noticed. You would not have noticed visually that there's an issue. What happens when a machine operates in, in, inefficiently is is it it turns you know the energy is turned to heat. You can't see it. Yeah, uh, and no one will know. Like, this could go on for years. 
Yeah. Um, and that's inefficient. But when you measure the amp draw, suddenly went up by 25%. Then you can um, you can have that programmed into our software in the form of an alert. And that can tell someone, hey, go have a look at this. And I'll say, hey, there's eight rooftop units. And why is this one using suddenly using 30% more than all the other ones that are identical in the same age? And thing? something to check out here. Yeah. What so one challenge? That's 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 really what it's all about. Yeah, one challenge I've always seen uh, with this form of technology and this industry regarding metering, main metering, sub metering, etc., and then finding where we're going to put these units is the actual logistics of getting that our meter picked up or installing a meter. How do you deal with those challenges? Well, that's a good question, and that's part of our IP. Actually, one of the things that um, that our founders uh, were you know, just way ahead of the time are continuing was this whole idea of internet communications. And so, I mentioned before, you know, still to this day, you know, uh, a great many meters are pieces of pieces of hardware. And if you want to get that data into the cloud, you have to have uh, connected to a data logger and a modem and someone else's uh, someone else's software. What the circuit meter uh, platform does is it integrates state-of-the-art cloud communication uh, technology right into the meter. So you just have to plug an Ethernet cable into the bottom of yeah. our meter. And in fact, we can piggyback on the host um, uh, uh, host um, data system and go right to the cloud. And yet we are um, we're cyber secure. It's absolutely impossible for our metering system, despite the fact that we're on the uh, on their network, to be used to hack in, it's, it's all it's 100% send. It's all outgoing. They don't need to open any ports, etc. We have not been refused by any IT departments. Much as uh, there's a great deal of fear in the in yeah. the industry. Oh, we don't want to talk to IT. You know, this will kill the project. <laughs> it's always we're, those we're, two we, ports. Always those two ports that need to be opened, isn't it? Not, not with ours. As I said, we welcome yeah. an IT review. We never fail. And once we explain to them what they're doing, they go, oh, that's pretty clever. Uh, yeah, we have no problem with that. Yeah. And so we that's one way that we got the cost down. The other reason we went to a 48 circuit um, uh, meter. So there's there's quite a bit of scale because, um, because uh, for instance, I mentioned the hotel. There's, there's 600 circuits in there, but you know, other buildings might be two or 300 circuits. The whole idea is to get the unit cost way, way down so that suddenly you're saying, yeah. oh, this is affordable, you know, to throw a blanket over the building or the facility. And then back to the point about the communications, it's it's self-powered. You put it right beside a motor control center or, 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 or um, uh, you know, power, the power panel and, mm -hmm. and it's wired in directly, put an Ethernet cable in the bottom. And after that, the only thing you need is your laptop because uh, all of the data goes into the servers and is available through what we call software as a service. So it's basically all of the software is available online and it's designed as enterprise software. So, you know, for instance, there's a, there's a, an American manufacturing company that's got a great deal of passion uh, for energy management. And they phoned me, they found us a few years back and said, listen, this is what we want to do. Well, ISO 50,001 is good, but it's not good enough. We want to measure every piece of equipment on every production line in our facilities, plus all the major pieces of equipment in the facility. Uh, we want to do it in real time. We want to set baselines. We want to set thresholds. We want the software to tell us 
um, you know, when anything is going um, you know, out of specification and we want to do it around the world. I said, well, that's exactly what we were designed to do. Um, this is great. Yeah, let's get started. As it turns out, they did a pilot in Scotland, in Kelso, right. and um, within six months, uh, they had reduced their energy consumption in that facility by 25%. And that was the uh, basis upon which they went uh, global. We're now in their facilities in the United States and Mexico, Romania, Malaysia, China, and it's all available. Their energy management um, director is actually in Scotland, and he can look, you know, at what a piece of production, a single piece of production machinery is consuming in amps at this very second anywhere in the world. So it brings me on to the next challenge in my mind. So we've got it installed. We're bringing all that data back. How do we educate then the user to read, analyze all that data that's coming back? Or do you provide some form of AI in, into the software or do your team help analyze that data? There's a few different uh, aspects to that. Um, first of all, the software is super powerful in terms of um, and, and easy to use in terms of how you visualize the data. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so it's it's point and click stuff. It, it's it's really powerful, uh, and you can make complicated dashboards, simple dashboards, etc. Mm-hmm. You know that being said, it depends on who the end user is. So, for instance, the company I was just talking about, well, they've got engineers on staff, they got professional people. You know, all they needed was a little bit of training, you know, an hour of course, and they're like, "Well, this is fantastic. This is easy to use." Like, you know. They call us back every now and then for customer support. Hey, you know, just a little unclear, like, how do we do this feature or that feature? You know, just normal stuff. But the flip side is, you know, know, that hotel I was mentioning, well, the people in the hotel, they're too busy running the hotel, even, you know, the operators. Exactly. And so in that case, we provided um, an additional service, which we call, um, you know, virtual energy audit, where we bring energy specialists in, and we do the analysis. We provide, present them with a report. Uh, and then we do initial system training. We set up the dashboards for them and they can use it and reference it. And so uh, it just depends on who the end client is and what their level of resources are and whether they um, whether they want or whether they can do it or whether they're not. And, and then I guess the last part of the uh, equation is, is sort of the in-between. And our business model, which is just kind of kind of started to get um, some momentum in this area is that we want to work through channel partners because yeah. there's a whole industry of companies that provide this kind of service to their clientele. And so, you know, our objective is not to try and, and elbow them out of the way and bring this technology to the world. You know, that's completely unworkable. Uh, what we want to do is, and Brian is one of them and he's, once he saw this, he goes, I've got so many clients. So, you know, let him take our technology to the clients to the extent that they need these kind of services or he provides them to us. All we do is basically uh, give him uh, initial uh, training on how to do it. He's a tier one supplier. Then he provides the, uh, the actual, uh, he does the actual selling. They do the actual technical uh, training. They do the actual uh, uh, support stuff. Uh, and, and then they just come back to us if they need tier two support for something that, um, yeah. they don't quite know how to handle it. So, you know, we're doing some of this now in the UK. We've got a few clients that are just getting ready to go national. Um, you know, energy measurement in the UK, you know, a, 
I don't have to tell you how much concern there is about you know rising bills and everything and you know grinding efficiencies is is is, is yeah. it's a critical part of of the whole future um uh, of the energy um infrastructure well um levels of unit reporting so you've you've just started talking about global reach with this software um will i'll be able to convert kilowatt hours into pound shillings and pence in the uk dollars in america and canada maybe is, yeah, is it got I mean, that capability is, is it yeah so sorry i should have asked have you got a financial model uh, a financial application on this as well so can i tell how much it's costing me yeah yeah and and so basically uh it's just a variable um that uh, can be changed in the software um and and you know could be the currency you know is it's just a national thing so it's just you just input yeah. it right um yeah, yeah. Uh, and set and set the and set the cost based on what your um uh, on what's going on in your industry, but the, the universal variable for us are, are amps and volts. So we'll measure kilowatt hours. That's measured, and that comes yeah. into our software. And then the user can input you know, exactly what their costs are. And then when you're putting up, you know, your, your graphs and your version, uh, yeah, etc. Then you can basically specify, you know, do I want this to be a finance, you know, financial variables, or do I want it to be an energy variable? Can it report on carbon? Yes, it can. And the way we do that um, is, uh, and this will evolve, but um, every jurisdiction uh, in, in Canada, the United States, at the state and the province level um, has an official sort of um, conversion factor from kilowatt hours to uh, carbon equivalents. And, and as I said, it's, it's totally expected to evolve because yeah. reality is, that you know that's an average number and, and different regions get their energy in a very dynamic way from different places that have different carbon footprints but from a legal perspective uh at the jurisdiction level there is an official conversion factor and that's a bit generally available everywhere online so what we do is we just tap into whatever the online source is and then whenever that number changes then that number changes Making our software changes, so yeah. but you know, the, the reality is that it's, it's a very simple um, mathematically. It's just a scalar multiple. It's, you know, you multiply your kilowatt hours by some number, yeah, and you have carbon equivalent. Of course, it is. Of course, it is. Yeah. So um, it's it's really just a, a glorified calculator. But more and more and more, uh, you know, having to generate these reports it, is it's not just something that takes up time, but it's something that we have a couple of clients in Canada and the number is going to grow um, that have European parent corporations where things are a bit more aggressive in this area, but they've been told by the end of 2023, you must be able to uh, verifiably and with veracity uh, report on your carbon because we have global clients that are demanding this of us and we're going to lose, you know, pick some big automotive company. Uh, and it's like, we're going to lose them as a client if we don't do this. So, you will do this. Yeah. So they, they made the, the, the intelligent jump to say, well, rather than make this a cost exercise where you know, we've got an accountant or two running around adding up numbers, we could be more proactive. We could make it a, a management exercise and we'll make it an energy management exercise where you know, there's great potential to reduce our, our energy costs 
and actually become more profitable and more productive. And the carbon number will be spit out as a byproduct. Is there a way of bringing in the history of data as well? Um, so, you know, I put the system on, I turn the system on today. Can I bring in last year's data somehow of what was happening last year or the year before? Some historic not in do our comparisons. Database. What you what you can do, I mean, basically our database starts when you plug when you plug the meter. Of course, yeah. Populates and goes forward. However, we got a couple of things that you could do with our data to export it somewhere else. So if you've got another database with all your historical records in it, you yeah. can you can cherry pick data out of our data and, and populate that uh, and have something that's merged in with your historical database. We have an API. That means you can pull data continuously, just right. any specific data you want, and pull it into other energy management systems. If you're already using an energy management system, or if it's it's if it's more cost data, I mean, if it's uh, say an ERP system or something else, you can pull stuff mm. with the API, you know, continuously live into into other software. Or if there's just specific data sets, you can very quickly click it and and set it, set it up in a table and, and export it as a CSV file. Paula, um, I've started getting some really good ideas and pictures. We are going to go through some some demos of, of your products, but um, it's really interesting to see. I, I like the way you've addressed all the challenges I've been putting in front of you, um, and I'm, I think you've got something there that's quite powerful and what you've done. And you've obviously your team have thought of all the issues around what you know from cost down to, to the technical capability of this product. So um, is there anything, it's come to this time in, in this interview, really, that is there anything you can give back to our industry regarding what you're doing today? Yeah, um, let, let me think about that while I just throw a couple other things that I think are important that sort of play on the, that came to my mind while we were just talking. You know, one is other things that are going on as we speak in, in the industry. And, and in particular, um, You'll see it across the UK and across Europe and, and certainly across Canada and the United States. More and more um, organizations, private sector companies, as well as municipal and state governments are, are either more the government declaring sort of applying an emergency or organizationally adopting net zero targets. Uh, and, 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 and then in the ESG world of governance, um, trying to adopt if not a net zero target, an energy efficiency target, and then and then backing that up or, or bolstering it with um, more qualitative statements that they're going to drop mm -hmm. best practices in energy management. And we're talking with national organizations in Canada and the United States right now that have already done that, they're already on the record, and yet they don't really know how to do it. And you know, they get a commitment, and then you know, one level below, there's people that are energy management and they're scratching their heads and they're going, Well, you know, like I don't know how how to do it, and I'm and it's a big order and I don't know how we're going to afford it. And what we're coming in and, and showing them is that let's pick, I'll pick a, a nameless company in Canada that's got a hundred um, facilities, uh, commercial facilities across the country. And we're saying like, you can go through and implement what we're doing in a way that is cash flow positive. Like let's, let's, you know, there's, there's numbers out there and averages are, are only ever right every now and then, but but it, you know across the board they're kind of right. 
there's there's numbers out there that say 30, 35% of energy is wasted. Um, you just have to know where it is, et cetera, et cetera. If you knew where it was, you know, we could probably do something about it. Well, we can go in to say one of these uh, one of these buildings that's using, say, four or $500,000 a year of electricity and um, put in a bunch of our meters, bundle in some of our services to analyze data, uh, include the installation and the software, et cetera, and still have, um, uh, and, then, and then put it on a finance basis so that it, over three years, they're buying all this stuff to get the services in the first six months. But it's still coming out to, Three, four, five percent of their monthly energy bill. Whereas within six months, if they're getting, if, if we identify a five percent saving, and say in the second year we buy it and we get another five percent saving, which is way, way below what you'll really get, you're already sort of into cash flow positive, so you can afford it. And then, so that's what we're that's what we're doing with some of these companies. We're doing you know a few buildings right now just as a pilot to prove that this is true. But by measuring everything, putting it in a database, you're adopting the other things that are in the best management system. So it's in other words, continuous energy audit. We can now budget energy. We can get into more advanced capital budgeting. Okay, now we know what the business case is to upgrade these chillers and the rooftop units, or even in that mm -hmm. big case of going completely net zero. We've got the data we need to drive a truly aggressive uh, and and, and and super granular and detailed energy conversion plan. So all of a sudden you're able to tick all your boxes on the ESG front of things. And that's really, really great because that's where ESG is going and, and say, hey, yeah, you can do that and save money. So that's great. The flip side of the coin is that in particular, you know, in, in two jurisdictions in the United States and New York is, is, is the leader. New York City passed laws already, um, LL, local law 88 and 97, that are giving all the building owners only until 2025 to install submeters and then start to make improvements. And if they don't hit certain levels of energy efficiency, they're going to get big fines, seven-figure fines. So we've got now got clients that are in the process of gearing up for all this. And, and, it, and they're being forced to, at the same time that New York State is subsidizing what we do. They call it real-time energy management. They get a 40% subsidy on what we do on the installation on what energy management people do for five years because they want to speed it up. So there's a carrot and stick thing going on out there. And I believe like Boston is now it's now copied New York. And I believe that these kind of these kind of more aggressive public sector initiatives are going to speed things up at the same time that the private sector or the more aggressive companies in the private sector are realizing this makes sense anyways. You know, we we can actually be more competitive and save money. So these are these these are the bigger things that are happening out there in the public and private sector. The last thing I want to throw in there is, is where are we going, because mostly what we're we're just coming to market right now with this technology, but the world is is demanding it. But in the more sophisticated world that people hear about, artificial intelligence, machine learning, etc. There's going to be a lot more developments coming in the future in terms of software, but they all require energy data. Yeah. And our 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 meters, we're we're sensing voltage on every circuit that we measure at 200,000 samples a second, and we're, we're and and current is at 12,500 samples a second. This kind of really granular energy data is what you need to um, 
to fuel all this more advanced AI kind of software. And we're right now working with six Ontario universities that I think there's about 18 PhDs working on more advanced AI software. And, you know, this is the very, very beginning of that whole field. But wherever all this goes, they all need data. They all need data in the cloud and they all need software and tools to work with it. So, you know, there's a lot of examples out there right now how this stuff can pay. And there's even more stuff happening in the future. And and how, what do you think the message is to give back to the industry? What do we need to do? I think that everyone in industry, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, net zero and energy management, has to be a little bit more um, open-minded and proactive mm. about what the possibilities are. Because as we uh, as we get out there, we don't really have, we're just gonna probably do the financing to build up a market and sales. So, you know, we're, 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 we're hitting our targets you know, relatively slowly because mm. you know, the size of our team. But as we get out there, there's mostly a great deal of, uh, a great lack of knowledge about, oh, you can do that, you can do that. I, you know, I had no idea how will we afford it. Oh, you can afford it like this. And as a matter of fact, it's it's really low cost. And mm. I had no idea. Mm. There's there's a lot of benefit financially. So what worries what would worry me is there's a lot of systems out there trying to achieve that, but they're not all the you know, there's a lot there's a marketplace out there for people to go and buy from. There's a marketplace of all these different systems, including your your technology. Um, where, how do they make them decisions? I think that's the issue. They need to find a solution that best fits them. Um, I know you've got a lot of benefits around what you're doing, um, but where, how does that user go and find that system that best fits what they're trying to achieve? And I know it's a bit of a, a biased question to yeah, ask. Yeah, I mean... I'm not quite sure if I if I can provide any special advice there, other than to say, um, you've got to do your homework. Yeah, um, and, and you're right. I mean, in our particular field, we we hired um, we hired an ex Schneider senior executive to do you know market study compare our stuff to everything else, and and we you know kind of told the stuff we already know, but it was better for it to be in writing, you know, and being produced by someone else because mm. it's helpful for investors, et cetera. But there's tons and tons and tons of technologies and meters out there. And I can imagine if you're not into it, it's pretty very confusing. And you know, yeah. that's part of our challenge too, is it's well, yeah. okay, you gotta go through um, sort of a, a list of features and it doesn't do this, do this, do this, do this. Can you talk to people that are using it? Um, what's it cost? I mean, yeah, so from, I mean from, the people from from our uh, point of view, that, we need to make sure. Sorry. Sorry so, Paul, so from our point of view, really, as technology providers or, or consultants, we need to be providing very good, clear case studies, proof that there is the right technology to be using um, for, you know, for them as a, as a user. I think that's, that is key in getting all that knowledge out there. And, you know, from us, from my point of view, is the education side, educating all, educating all organizations to, to go out there and really understand what they're trying to achieve regarding data and, and managing that data. Incidentally, I, I, yeah, used to work, I used to work for Schneider 
in a different guise, if that makes sense. So I worked for Satchwell and I worked for I Am Surf. They both got bought by Schneider um, and they were both developing things like this. So I've got a lot of background regarding Schneider and um, BMS and um, energy monitoring systems. Yeah. I get one. You, you did touch on something there, which is you know sort of a, a weak point for us and a problem area overall. We we're asked all the time for business cases. We have yeah. very few. we have very few. I mean, um, some of the if we sell our technology to a third party, you know, they don't report to us. So you know we don't yeah. necessarily have documented. We even have some that made us sign NDAs, and we know they love the product and they won't tell anybody. That drives me crazy. That's a uh, shame, really, because. I think yeah. we've got the organizations have got to share that case study. I think it's important to it's prove not, that it works. You know, what yeah, what they're doing in energy management is not what is driving the competitiveness organization. Uh, yeah. I think that they should share it too. But, but hey, if we sign an agreement, we sign an agreement. Whereas others yeah. very generously say, yeah, please you know, tell the world. Yeah. yeah. I've worked for loads of organizations that don't want me to tell the world that I've actually made them big savings. It's, it's strange. Because I think that just creates encouragement and awareness that it can be done. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So, um, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you know the people who are more knowledgeable are more likely to know what they're looking for. Um, and, and and so you know, in the end, I, I realize certainly as we plot in our, our our big go to market launch, there's a marketing element. Um, as well as the sales element, we have to go out there and we have to get as many sort of industry technical conferences and things like that and put our papers out and get the message out. Because what we're doing is radically different than what was done before. And it was never feasible, it was never economically or technically feasible, but it is now, and the world is moving to a place where they really need it. So, uh, you know, the, the time is great, and yet there's not a lot of history to look at. So, Paul, how can we find you? You, you and your product, is there a website? www.circuitmeter.com. Uh, very easy to find. Uh, and um, you know, we've got a portal that you can engage with us. And, uh, uh, and I'm available at uh, paul.mertes, that's M-E-R-T-E-S, at circuitmeter.com. And um, you know, we are actively seeking interest. So... Uh, you know, it's a you know, it's our mission, and um, uh, we we like to talk. We like to talk about it. They're getting us to shut up. I guess it's a real hard part. <laughs> so, Paul, I'd like to thank you for your time today, and we wish you very you know, we wish you luck with and success with this technology. As I said before, you cannot manage what you don't measure. It's a very important technology around our industry, and I'd like to thank you for sharing your your knowledge around that today. So thank you very much. I'd like to thank you for the opportunity. Um, it's, um, it's a mission. Brilliant. Paul, thank you. Oh. You and your family, please stay safe in these times.